When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Oh, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Hey, Tommy. Still got the cone of silence? Why are we whispering? Because at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan, we're having a secret sale. I have a question. If it's a secret, how do people find out about it? Yeah, I see your point. Missed it by that much. Okay, here's the deal. At Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we have our sign and drive, not one dime out of your pocket lease special on a new Rogue all-wheel drive or an Altima all-wheel drive. So it's a Walzer sign and drive, absolutely nothing out of pocket? Leave your checkbook, credit card, Venmo, PayPal, everything at home, zip. So what's the payment? That's the secret part. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or BurnsvilleNissan.com, type in KQRS in the search bar, and all shall be revealed. Seems like a lot of jacking around. Well, KQ listeners have been really good to us, so we thought this was a nice way to say thanks. Besides, winter's coming, and all-wheel drive will be really nice. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or Burnsville Nissan and type in KQ. I guess that's not so bad. Wow, high praise. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Catherine's not here yet, but any second now, I'm certain. Any second. Um, ladies and gentlemen, just a couple of things from the Babylon Bee before we get started. Because very, very hard-hitting, important news from the Babylon Bee, as you know. Mm-hmm. Biden leads Democrats in Pledge of Allegiance to one nation under, you know, the thing. <laughs> I love it when he goes, you know, the thing. He says, you know, the thing a lot. I don't know why that is. You know, the thing. And also, from ba- they got a picture of a car that is uh, just driving 
tipped over on its left side like this. <laughs> Goodyear announces they will only sell tires for the left side of the car. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. Come on, you two. Oh, God. That is. That's, that's great. Here. There we go. Your, your mammy is here. Stop talking about Jude. it. Dude. Mammy? Your mammy. Jude, you got shaved again, huh? Judy. Well, only partially because the mosquitoes started coming out, so I had to go. Oh. Dude. Dude. What do you think of that action, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu? But I think I did a better job this time. Of shaving them? From Looks better. I, from what I could get at. It didn't look like a garden all, rake. All of a sudden, the mosquitoes came out, and I was like, I gotta go. I understand. It's very mosquito-y. The kids yep. have just been attacked every time. 8.30. Yep, 8.30. No, all day long in our backyard, if they go outside, they get bit get by bugs. Sounds like you need a weed whack. We have no... I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's... it's yeah, it's That's just... true. But they've, I've ne- we've never had this problem. What problem is that? No Giant, no, mos- just crazy mosquitoes all oh, the time. We're on the air right now. That's why we all have our headphones yeah. on. Yeah, we're all talking with our headphones oh. on there, Catherine. Oh I don't know if you've ever seen a show before, but, uh, you know. Yeah, the clock is on. If you know, all the good stuff. If I survive my father's move, I'm going to be shocked. Mm. <laughs> He'll be fine. Don't worry Sounds about like you got everything set up. Uh, yeah, I get it set up, and then he's like, well, his new recliner chair. He was very attached to his lazy boy reti- recliner yep. chairs down in Arizona. Yes, I'm sure. Decided not to ship them up because it costs a lot of money to ship <coughs> oh, stuff across God, the yeah. country, right? Especially giant things like that. So yeah. I ordered him a recliner thinking that I was doing the right thing, but it's no lazy boy recliner uh, that he had. <laughs> I bet he wants the lever, not a button. No, he wants it to be electric, but he wants oh, he does. his. Every single tiny thing was adjustable. And apparently the thing that I ordered, which was like a $1,600 chair that I got on sale for $800, mm. doesn't have enough adjustability. Not good enough? It's not the lazy boy that he had. Uh, <laughs> so not- Other than that. It's like... <laughs> You're fine. Don't worry about a thing. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> okay, you guys tell me what the key stat is in this next story. You ready? Key stat. Okay. The key, the key element to this story. Okay. Last weekend, FDA Chief Stephen Hahn stood with President Trump and extolled the use of plasma as a coronavirus treatment. Trump said convalescent plasma has proven to reduce mortality by 35%, and Han, while qualifying things a bit more, echoed the point. What that means is, and if the data continue to pan out, 100 people who are sick with COVID-19, 35 would have been saved because of the admission of plasma. The problem is that medical experts, even those involved in the very uh, study being cited, couldn't figure out where the 35% figure came from. Reports in the New York Times on Monday night, Han issued a mea culpa in a Twitter thread. I have been criticized for remarks I made Sunday night, wrote Han. The criticism is entirely justified. What I should have said better is that the data show a relative risk reduction, not an absolute risk reduction. So what's the key stat here? Orange man bad? The cash that he got. <laughs> oh. I guarantee you this guy got paid. These people flip in, all of these people in Washington are the biggest money-grubbing suckwads ever. What I'd like to know is, okay, so if you, get, if you get the treatment, will it hurt you in any way, shape, or form? Doesn't look, what do you think, Doc? Uh, yeah, uh, Could the, it The risk is clerical harm? errors. That's the oh, only risk yeah. of getting plasma or getting any kind of blood product. The major risk, by far, is clerical errors. So you get the wrong plasma from the wrong person that might... 
have some other disease and it's boom, pretty rare bring these them. days though I, but still that's the risk but so it's not a huge risk but so you that's do triple, the risk. Re, triple redundancy or something check even, check double check even then even then even then okay, okay so, so i mean we're talking about like you know one in i don't even know it's got to be tens of thousands and i don't and i don't know see the plasma <laughs> No, that's my hematology. It, it just gave me. I don't know. I don't know if you type in cross match plasma. I don't, I don't think, think so. Think you do? No, no, I don't think you do either. No, I, I don't think you do. So that risk is not not great. But getting the plasma, there's always that risk of getting a little prion, a little slow virus, or something well, nutty like, like said, that. If I'm or looking like worm little things. food, just give me all this stuff. Right? Well, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. You know, that's. That, I mean, I, I think that we're talking about like you know treating ninety year olds here. Oh. You're not going to give convalescent plasma treatment to someone who's 30 who has like a 1 in well, 10,000 chance of dying from this virus. Yeah, unless There's you, no point. Unless it's all, they've it's got a, some other things. It's all based on symptomatology, based on exactly. risk, based on so many things. They're going to decide on doing that. We're not just going to start giving plasma to everyone who has a cough, which is what people think is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, they want everybody to be tested who has a cough. <clears throat> yes. If you get a sniffle, cough, any any. Any symptom, a headache, you should be in get tested. Get that test. Yep. I've had an, a little allergy cough now since the ragweed came right, out. Right, right. You should be, te- you should be tested week? daily. You should be tested daily because <laughs> yeah. you have a cough. Well, I've, my temperature's taken almost every day because whenever I go see my dad, I have to fill out a form, have my temperature taken. And that's the first symptom, right, is that is, is a, a raised temperature. Yeah, I guess. No. De- no. no. They t- no I was told one, that it was. Dry that's cough. one of the symptoms. Yeah, dry cough. Well. Can be one of the first. I know it's allergies. I, yeah. mean, I can Fever. walk by. A, I can walk by a field of ragweed and start coughing, and my voice goes. And yeah. can, <laughs> so exactly. it's evident and what it is. You can go to Hennepin County Hospital if you're an employee, mm-hmm. or Abbott Northwestern if you're an employee. No temperature check. You walk right in. That's mm-hmm. amazing. So there. Are, so employees with IDs are not being checked for temperatures. At, well, unless they have scanners in the hospital. That seems nope. stupid. Well, but they, and, and Hennepin County has never checked people's body temperature. But it's like it doesn't matter because you could still have it and not have a fever. Or you I, could have a fever I, and not have it. I get yeah. the Hennepin County thing from people who work there, and I get the. I was at Abbott uh, uh, ten days ago. Didn't check my. Oh, we don't check temperatures anymore. Go mm. ahead. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. There you have it. So, so, I, so there's no real, you know, yeah, if you're infectious process. with anything, you would, you would think that you want to check people's body temperature just for inf- influenza. Influenza, cold, tuberculosis, any of those sort of communicable diseases, respiratory communicable diseases. You, hey, maybe we want to take a check your temperature. Maybe you shouldn't be in here. Maybe you have TB. I don't think so. <laughs> and now back to the end of the story. Oh, please. Mm. It may sound like a wonky clarification, but it's a big one, writes Aaron Blake of the Washington Post. Here's what I like. Now, a writer for the Washington Post knows more than a doctor. Of course. Hahn distorted a stat comparing subsets of patients. Strictly speaking, the treatment would have saved about three out of 100 coronavirus patients, not 35, writes Blake. Hahn has taken criticism over the mistake, though the Times quotes a Johns Hopkins researcher involved in the Mayo Clinic study central to the controversy who suggests people shouldn't get too carried away. Do I know where the 35% comes from? Asks Dr. Arturo Casadebal. No, but I think the, the important thing is that all the indicators, all, this is a doctor now, all the indicators show that a, re- a reduction in mortality. 
The FDA has granted emergency use authorization for the treatment. And Han tweeted that it's not the same as permanent approval. The agency will continue to monitor its use and will revoke authorization if needed. But if it saves three people, isn't that a wonderful thing? Three out yeah. of 100? Yeah. yeah. So mean, not 35 out of 100. So how can they be off? I don't see the, his, I don't see the other statement represented an order of magnitude difference. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know where they got the three either. They didn't explain that one. They didn't explain that either. Exactly. Mm. But if it saves one life, it's well worth it, isn't it? Yeah, but they, I don't, I, so I guess well, the, the numbers aren't a prospective double-blind study, and that's the gold standard of right, whether no, this works or not. So they do they have taken you know have taken three hundred people, give half of them you know a placebo, give the other half the plasma, and then see what happens. You know they both may be saved by two by by three. That's a small number. Three out of a hundred. Three percent. It's not very many. You know what though. Let's assume it's right down the middle, that it's 17 out, or 18 yeah. out of 100. Uh, give the plasma. Exactly. So give them the plasma. Now, now, one thing I'd like to point out about this story, the two doctors in the story both say that it's worth using because it works, whether it's 3 or 35 or 18, like we, we assume that it is. Both doctors say, yes, we should move ahead. The federal government said we should move ahead. The one guy who says we should move ahead is a writer for the Washington Post. What do you know, Aaron Blake? I mean, we're trying to save people's lives here. Isn't that a good thing? Well, he's got to make a living, I guess, and he's he's well, an expert now. Good luck. He's, he's, he's read some things on the internet and a couple yes. and, a, and a chapter out of a book, so he knows. He's, he knows. Well, sure. I see what they're doing. What? Well, we got to take a break, and we'll be right back. Yeah. And Danny will tell us what they're doing. Yeah. Right what the hell this. are they doing? Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, this is a tough time for businesses, not only in the Twin Cities, but all over right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what North American Banking Company is doing for your customers? Tommy at the bank, we're helping businesses with all of our tools at our disposal. Lenders are working as long as it takes with our customers to help them through these tough times. We've processed well over 300 loans for customers and funded over $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program. Through our payment deferment program, our current customers were able to skip one, two, or even four payments with no penalty. Finally, being a locally owned and operated bank, we're able to move quickly and take action for our customers when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker? God, I can't tell you how great it is working with Billski. Did you record that, Andy? Could you send that to me? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. <clears throat> All right, Andy, we got a guest coming up in a couple of minutes. So what were you telling us? You, you said, I see. So the 3% versus 35% thing, 35% is the relative decrease, and 3% is the absolute decrease. So oh, okay. you yeah. have 10 people, uh, and your drug saves... I have to formulate this properly because... I think... I. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think if you have a you have a hundred people, you have a hundred people, say a thousand people, hundred people are positive and sick with the virus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Say thirty of those people are going to die. So then they do the thing. So instead of thirty people dying, only only twenty seven people die. Mm-hmm. So three so three of the twenty seven is thirty percent. Thirty or no, I no, no, ten people die instead of. No, 20 people die instead of 10 people die. So 10 people uh, relative to the 30 
would be 30%, but mm-hmm. relative right. to overall numbers, it's yeah. 3%, exactly. 100. Yeah, yeah so, it's, it's a math thing. Neither number means anything by itself. No, it doesn't mean anything. So that's, well, but yeah, basically the absolute is always smaller than the relative by quite a bit. Yeah. Well, so they're know. not, they're, they're saying that like the actual number is three, but you know, but it's not that the doesn't, that's not actual versus fake. They're two different numbers. And if you don't understand what the numbers mean, then you might as well be trying to decipher Sanskrit. So well, exactly. try. Well, well, I did notice once again uh, to, in this morning's paper that those two people in St. Louis that protected their home after they broke down the gate to gain entrance to their property right. that didn't shoot anybody. The, neither gun was loaded, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, her gun wasn't even real. His gun wasn't loaded. They still claimed on the AP this morning that they pointed guns at innocent protesters for no reason. They're did you not see the gates smashed to hell? Did you not hear people shouting, we'll kill you? Why do they leave that stuff out? I, I just would like to know how it is that that they can keep printing in the paper over and over again that those two people were the bad guys. Because they don't want the story to end. They want the story God. to continue on and on and on because it's just the way sensationalism is the way journalists work now. But we should just not allow that to happen. When are these news organizations going to have the feet being held to the fire here? Not You've until been they lying have to. for decades. You, you know the. You know you're not. You really are not supposed to be outside your house threatening people with weapons. I think that's the deal. But right. generally, that is true. But right. in, in the face of rioting around you where they're burning things down. Absolutely. I think the argument is is that I was I was fearful that if I was in my house, they would set my house on fire Correct. and I would die. So I think that you said I was protecting my house from being set on fire. That's exactly right. And I the governor we, already pardoned him anyway. Yeah, so. Have our guest. Excellent. I, I just really wish they, they would stop lying. That's all I'm saying. That'd be good. Yep. On the loving end of crazy, finding hope and help to face your loved one's crippling anxiety and depression, Faith McDonald, our special guest. Well, I'm one of them uh, since this COVID thing broke out and the BLM thing broke out and the election broke out. Faith, you got to save me from my crippling anxiety and depression over all these things that are going on in America. What do you say? Oh, wow. That's a challenge, right? It is. That's a huge challenge. Um, Yeah, everybody seems to be facing... Uh, unprecedented levels, unprecedented levels of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's no. I have anxiety every morning when I wake up. Faith, I have anxiety because I think, oh God, another day of this. You know, there are oh, great wow. things too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there are things that I, I love my family dearly. They're all here with me today. Our, one of our family friends is with us today. So there are many, many things I'm grateful for and I'm happy about. But. It's the lying and the cheating and the stealing. and, and uh, They're not actually trying to help anybody. They're just trying to, I don't know. I don't care who gets elected president. I'll still be breathing air. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a... Times are filled with conflict, that's for sure. And I know um, my book is about our son's struggle and us standing beside him. And I right. know that it has... Uh, definitely been worse in the last few months. Oh, God, yeah, there's no question about that. Now, my, my lovely wife, Catherine, is at the other end of the table from me. Catherine, yes. do, you, do you know anybody that has a great deal of anxiety? Yes. What's his name? I mean, what's their name? 
Tom Bernard. I do. I have tons of anxiety, and to tell yeah. you the truth, Faith, I have since I was a little boy. Oh, wow. So it do. seems like you're you're able to function despite mm. it. <laughs> My wife is arguing with you, Faith. <laughs> She, she's well, not agreeing with you, Faith. That, well, that he I functions can't. better on some days. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And it's hard, right, to be with someone who's anxious and you think, well, what am I supposed to say? You know, what kind of things can I say that will help? I love Faith McDonald. Be calming. <laughs> Pardon? I said, I love you. <laughs> because, I mean, that is the thing is if people that are super anxious, there really isn't anything another person can do do to get them to be an unanxious person you can kind of help through some situations but it also seems like for me i observe tom as his coping mechanisms are you know stress eating sitting there watching uh mindless television and chewing on his lip you know (laughs) ruminating And yeah, it's like, yeah, and if and if and if you tr- if you break the pa- if you try to break the pattern or try to you know get him to do something else, it actually makes him sort of more anxious. Yeah, or angry at you. Yes, right. You know, don't do oh, that. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll go for a walk instead. It's like, why are you talking to me? Yes. Now you said your son uh, has anxiety disorder. Is that right? Yeah, he's, well, he's been diagnosed with, I guess they call it anxiety disorder. At different mm-hmm. times in his life, he struggled with anxiety or depression. They seem to go hand in hand. Right. And um, definitely has days when, you know, he, he's not out of bed today. He's like, yeah, I just don't feel good. Right. Like, right. And how old is your son? He's 33. 33, okay. You could pass along something from his Uncle Tommy here in Minneapolis. <laughs> Um, the, the, the upside to the anxiety and the, the depression issues is I don't have fear. I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. And I, and I, I didn't choose to be that way. I just don't fear any person or anything. Uh, and maybe anxiety takes it all, it, it takes all that away from me or whatever. But there is an upside in that he will not face a lot of fear. I don't think once he deals with his anxiety. That's a really interesting perspective because I think in my mind I sort of consider fear leading to anxiety, but I never thought about it that way. Gives me a good conversation to have with him. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to him about his about fear because he probably doesn't have a whole lot. Uh, the anxiety part of it comes from well, I, it, it's actually uh, just one word. My anxiety comes from people. That's where it comes okay. from. Well, yeah. People will do the most disgusting things for money, Faith. It is unbelievable what people will do for money. They will watch people die if they get a check for $100,000. That's where oh. I get my anxiety right there. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, well, no, look, I- <laughs> look at COVID, though, Faith. Look at COVID. There are people dying. They probably could have kept a lot of those people alive, but they sent them into retirement homes. They Therefore, the older people in the retirement homes died. There was no reason for that to have happened except for uh. elections and money. So that's the good part. Tell your son I said so, and he'll snap out of it. <laughs> okay. Mm. <laughs> That'll help. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I, have, I used to have very bad anxiety. I'm Alex, Tom's daughter. 
And oh, hi, Alex. Hello. I'd have like day long panic attacks where it was just okay. like yeah. it, it would like spiral and I like couldn't do anything. And um, I found out that I'm a highly sensitive person and I read a book called The Highly Sensitive Person and it like okay. completely changed my life. Oh, wow. Because it made me fo- it made me pay attention to like. Because it was, it got me out of the, like, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? What's my problem? And made me think of, like, oh, I'm sensitive, but that also means I, like, love people more. And I'm, when I am happy, I'm happier than most people, and I feel things. So I feel tough things more, but also good things. And that changed a ton. And meditation. Those are, like, the two things that helped me the most and it's so interesting to hear what different people like what helps because anxiety is not a thing where it's like oh you can do the thing that i did and it'll help you too for sure you know right yeah and i find my son is a really sensitive person yeah so i'm gonna look this book up you should it's amazing and there's one about parenting a highly sensitive person and stuff it's very interesting it was amazing Faith, do you have a, do you have a, uh, I, I need to take a very quick break. Do you have several, uh, a few more minutes that we could bring you back after the break, a two-minute break? Oh, sure. Excellent. We'll be right back with Faith McDonald, ladies and gentlemen, on the loving end of crazy, finding hope and help to face your loved one's crippling anxiety and depression. We're going to talk a lot about how Faith handles all this right after the break. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin, is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is the equal opportunity employer. My funky one. Funky one. Is Doug Sprinthal a funky one? Must be. I think it must be. Ladies and gentlemen, on the loving end of crazy, finding hope and help to face your loved one's crippling anxiety and depression, Faith McDonald, our special guest. So, how do you handle uh, your your son's anxiety and depression? You personally. Um, How do I personally? Well, um, like Alex mentioned, you know, spend time meditation, um, prayer. My faith has really helped me. Know, relate to him, um, learned lots of things about myself, about my expectations um, of what a, you know, a good day looks like and thinking, okay, well, it's different for right. him. Right. I need to change my expectations. Um, and, you know, knowing that he can get better, I think when Matt was in the uh, most depressing, most anxious ridden times, having lots of panic attacks that we didn't understand what they were. I thought, this is our life. This is where we're going to live forever. And once he was able to get 
medical help. He has a counselor that he sees on a regular basis. Um, you know, he got better. He mm-hmm. still struggles every day. Sometimes seems like a, a challenge for him, but definitely got better from the worst. And knowing that for me, that people can get better, even if they're in the middle of a panic attack. It's like, all right, well, we can get medical help. We can get counseling help, and he can, you know, have a better day tomorrow. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Now, now, Faith, was there a point where you kind of blamed yourself for his depression and anxiety? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I thought so. Um, I wrote a, a post one time about um, blame and said, you know, if you're the mother of a, uh, a child or a person who struggles with depression or anxiety, you find a way to blame yourself. And um, what I've discovered is I can still think, oh, well, it was my fault because I did such and such. But really, blame doesn't do anything except mire you down into a, a state of helplessness. So I have learned to forgive myself for mistakes that I made, um, realize that it's, you know, Matt's depression is not because of me or his anxiety is not because of me. And um, just when I let go of the blame, I'm far better able to function in a proactive manner that's helpful to him. See, I think that's wonderful. Uh, and by the way, uh, you're also challenged that we, we are as parents, you are as a parent. When you watch the news and, and realize the message that's being sent across television news, the newspapers, radio, and all the rest of it, there's no forgiveness anymore for anything. If you do something yeah. wrong, we have to bury you and we have to ruin you. There's no forgiveness anymore. It's bizarre. Uh-huh. Yeah, and forgiveness is what you know, helps people function in relationships, mm-hmm. helps people function and have a healthy self-concept. Yeah, I did something wrong, but tomorrow, you know, I'm a strong Christian and believe, you know, that forgiveness was modeled by Christ. Um, and what did, so how many times do you forgive? Well, 70 times 7, which, um, forgiveness is huge. It is. It's huge, and people don't. There, there isn't any of it in the national, or I should say, international scope. Uh, forgiving someone now is is just not. It just is not happening at all anymore, which is really, really sad. Do you? Are you getting all the support that you need from your your? Uh, you have, I don't know if you have other sons and daughters, your husband, your brothers, your sisters, whomever. Are you getting support from them? You personally. I have a counselor that I talk to, you know, periodically. Um, it's really important when you do, you know, you have someone that you love who struggles to get that kind of support. Um, it, I think it's hard for families. I have two other adult children, and mm-hmm. um, I think they struggle to find their way in relationship with their brother, if that makes any sense. It does, yeah. It's kind of like you said... His, for a while, a few years ago, his life was totally at a standstill because of anxiety and depression. And I almost think they still see him as that person, even though he's grown beyond that. So that's hard. It is. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, I have four brothers and two sisters, and we don't all get along. We, we really don't agree. 
I'm not a very political person. I probably sound like I am sometimes, but I'm not a uh, Democrat nor a Republican. I'm kind of a centrist. And I have brothers and sisters. Some are way far left and some are way far right. And you kind of think, how did all of us grow up in the same house? How did that happen? You know, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think another thing that's missing, along with forgiveness, and maybe it's all part of the same thing, without... uh, something or someone to answer to, I think human beings struggle. And right now, you're not supposed to believe in one another. You're not supposed to believe in in God. You're not supposed to believe in anything. But if you have no one to answer to, boy, life becomes a struggle, doesn't it? I think it's actually good for you to to be held responsible for your actions. Yeah, I think so. So. I did the whole thing I just think. If we didn't have that, if we were just in control... It would be a pretty chaotic world. Well, and it sure is. Centered around me, right? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. The whole world's about me, and therefore I can do and say whatever I want, including ruining your life, and I don't have to answer for anything because I'm the most important thing there is, which is... is, How long did it take you to write the book, Faith? Um, It took me once I decided to do it and started a couple years, you know wrote it, and then, of course, went back through and revised it. I'm, I'm a writing teacher, so oh, okay. I think I'm probably hardest on myself. Mm-hmm. I went back through and think, oh, is this written right? Have I chosen the right words? And um, then I got to the point where I felt like, wow, there's other moms like me out there who need a message of hope. You know, that's what I, I wanted to communicate with the book there, a message of hope, and um, this is hard. It's, a, it's challenging. No, it is absolutely. There are tools that you can develop. Yep, it is a great I learned to have better conversations with my husband, with my kids, with, you know, our son who struggles. Is your your husband helpful to you in this situation? Um, Sometimes, but in the book I talk about, it was very difficult for us Mm -hmm. when our son began to really struggle. He was a freshman in college and failed out and then began to drink really heavily and do very stupid things when he was drunk. So we had the police calling us a lot. And you can imagine that stress as a family. And my husband and I both approached it from very different perspectives. So that was very hard. Talk about blame. I blamed myself. I blamed him. And we really had to work through a lot of, you know, very difficult things, realize, realizing that he wasn't to blame, I'm not to blame. Um, having better conversations about, you know, understanding where each other is coming from. And um, believing, I had to get to the point where I believed we were both operating out of love. Mm-hmm. Or Matt and each other, even though it didn't always look like that. I understand that completely. On the loving end of crazy, finding hope and help to face your loved one's crippling anxiety and depression, you do a great interview, Faith. Thank you very much for your time, and, and you have a, you have the strength to do this. Don't worry about it. You got it, and so does your son. Oh, thank you so much. This was just really fun for me, fun to talk to you and your wife and your daughter. And I, my son Andrew's here, too, but he stayed silent. <laughs> Oh, hi, Andrew. Hello. <laughs> what a, what a fun way to uh, 
complete an interview. I've never done it like this before. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And come back. Come back soon. Let us know how things are going, if you would, Faith. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. Does she not seem like the sweetest woman on earth? Yes. That poor Faith. Well. Oh, what? What do you mean, well? Things happen. You just got to deal with them. <laughs> oh, oh okay. That's life. Well, you know, it kid's life. Wanted, but, you know. No, <laughs> it is. Sounds like she's dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's, she's written a book to try. What I really like about it is she wrote the book not about what she's been through, but she wrote the book to help other people try to get through what they're going through, mm-hmm. which I really admire. She Absolutely. seemed like a very, very nice person. She did. I didn't ask her where she was from, by the way. Because probably had, says on her bio well, somewhere. Well, she has a li- she has a little bit of an accent. It doesn't really matter, you know where, but um, yeah, I, I don't see it on here anyway. But it doesn't matter. Like I said, she it it's got to be difficult because you know Alex, you had a lot of anxiety. Andy had a lot of anxiety and some depression as well, mm-hmm. but wasn't to the point where you stayed in bed for a month. You know, no. that is true. It's she's a different deal. Currently a teacher at Penn State. Well, she's a Penn State. That's there you go. Are. There's your accent. There you I go. One, of, up. one of your brethren. One of our people. One, one of your of my people. people. One of my people. You know, it. Uh, I, I, you know, I. Yeah, I, you can't fix that. That's the saddest yeah. thing about that. You yeah. can't fix that problem unless, unless, like Andy and Alex, fix it yourself. That's the only. No, you per- can't fix somebody. No, If 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 that child wants to be fixed. Taken sure. care of and sorted out, they can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the so the kid has. We well, got into college. He has the intellect mm-hmm. to be able to do that. So he should be. But he's the only person. It's just a bit like uh, chemicals. You don't want to stop using them. Yeah. You ain't gonna stop using them. You don't stop using yeah. them until you want to stop using them. Right. So it's exactly the same thing. And then you die. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. Most people that on use that heavy chemicals note. die. It's, just, <laughs> then it's not a happy die. note. I said mess. on that happy so, note, we need to take a break. All right, we do need to take a break. We'll be back with hour two. Another great guest coming up next hour with the family. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Hey, Tommy. Still got the cone of silence? Why are we whispering? Because at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan, we're having a secret sale. I have a question. If it's a secret, how do people find out about it? Yeah, I see your point. Missed it by that much. Okay, here's the deal. At Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we have our sign and drive, not one dime out of your pocket lease special on a new Rogue all-wheel drive or an Altima all-wheel drive. So it's a Walzer sign and drive, absolutely nothing out of pocket? Leave your checkbook, credit card, Venmo, PayPal, everything at home, zip. So what's the payment? That's the secret part. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or BurnsvilleNissan.com, type in KQRS in the search bar, and all shall be revealed. 
Seems like a lot of jacking around. Well, KQ listeners have been really good to us, so we thought this was a nice way to say thanks. Besides, winter's coming, and all-wheel drive will be really nice. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or Burnsville Nissan and type in KQ. I guess that's not so bad. Wow, high praise. I always like this song, Life in the Fast Lane. Good song. It is a good song. Everything, all the time. Still well, the best-selling album of all time. It is, yep. Eagles' greatest hits. That's what I hear. Really? Yep. Oh, by oh. far. I don't too. know. How, it's so what? weird. You wouldn't think that that would be. Yeah, the Eagles. Like, I mean, everybody knows the Eagles, and everybody likes the Eagles, but they're not as like there weren't like the Beatles or Elvis. Yeah, I mean, everybody was ask, crazy. Ask a hundred people what their favorite album is. You're probably going to get like yeah, twenty Thrillers, yeah. twenty of some Beatles album. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe five Eagles. If that, yeah, that's weird. So I don't know. It's it's very weird. Indeed, it's surprising. So this holds outsold Thriller. Yeah. Yep. Let's it did. see. Oh, it absolutely did. Right. I would have thought Twi- Thriller. Thriller but is second, I believe. I oh, believe okay. it is second. I'm pretty sure Let's it's second. See. And Abbey Road. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, there weren't as many people then. What? Yeah, there were not as many people back then. That's the big difference. Oh, apparently <laughs> they've redone the numbers Uh-oh. and oh okay they added a whole bunch of different countries the eagles only released in five countries oh uh thriller released in many and that brings its total up above the eagles actually see i just love that they had to fix it so a honky band didn't win well it's just uh, what this whole white thing you want to talk about racist. This whole white thing. Well, everything is white, 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 white. <laughs> My guy, good God. In the U.S., the Eagles' greatest hits is still by far the best-selling album. Not even close. Five million uh, copies. There you go. Gap. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. But then again, uh, there's not a whole lot of, you know, there's, there's some interesting ones on the top there. You know, you got... Uh, Good ones back in black, of course. Mm-hmm. The bodyguard, which is, I guess, sure. But then you got. Uh, I guess, sure. Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. Oh, God. Why not? Bad Out of Hell. And Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette is near the top. There you go. Despite yeah. being released in 1995. Hmm. Wow. Well, I, gotta, I gotta throw some stats by you as soon as you're done. I'm done. We're done. We're right done. Okay. More stats. <clears throat> okay, you ready? More stats. Uh, the world population, 120 years ago, in 1900, yeah, 1.6 million. Billion. A billion, excuse me, 1.6 billion. <laughs> Very yes, surprised if it was a million. Actually, it was 5 million back in the year, minus 5,000. <laughs> so that's good. So was you're that right about many that. back then? I doubt it. They don't know how many people there were on Earth 5,000 years ago. How could they ago, possibly? Or 7,000 years ago, I guess it would be now. Yeah, there's no way. Um, okay, we'll just do this from, from my... Okay, 1951. In 1951, the uh, world population was 2.584 billion people. 2.584. And now it's what, nearing nine? Okay. And now it's uh, eight. Eight Mm. billion. Okay, so more than three times more people uh, in just 68 years. Yep. Yeah, that's a problem. Three times the population. I just did a bunch of study. Have you guys ever bothered to check into global warming? 
And climate change? What do you mean check well, into Have it? you ever done any research on it, like by the numbers, not by just people's opinion in the Atlantic Monthly or whatever? I never go by people's opinion. <laughs> no, you can't go by <laughs> people's opinion. Monthly. Exactly. Monthly. <clears throat> Did you know that if we stay on our current course, uh, we might affect the uh, overall climate to a degree that would become uncomfortable in the next 200 years? They keep saying the world's coming to an end in 10 years. I don't know why people believe that. I don't either. Why, why would you ever believe that? Well, people have stopped talking about that. It's not the panic of the month anymore. Now it's everyone's going to die from COVID. So yeah, I suppose that's People true. don't even care about climate change anymore. I haven't heard someone mention it in six, eight months. Well, do you know why that is? Because they only want to doomsay about one thing at a time. Well, they also can't doomsay about the United States because we're pretty much... Even keel. I think I think we're at one percent. I don't know yeah. if we're even keel. Well one no. percent. <laughs> yeah, I think the whole America's destroying the world thing is long de- yeah, so debunked ridiculous. that they can't even pretend anymore. It is absolutely ridiculous the and situation the, here. The uh, obvious answer is pointing to China and and India. They don't want to do it anymore because And Africa too. Yeah. It's China, India, and Africa that are doing all the polluting. There's no question about that. They don't want to talk about that, though. Well, and the reason they don't want to talk about that is their economies suck. China's economy's getting better, and they're saying, oh, it's really booming. It's not really booming the way they say it is. They're just trying to make Trump look bad. And again, I'm not defending Trump here. I'm just talking about how filthy the press is in the world. But, yeah, I did. I literally... 1% 1% change in the next 200 years if we begin to do... And again, it's not us. It's China and India and Africa. Mm-hmm. The United States, Canada, even Mexico, actually even South America, is nowhere near as bad as the Eastern uh, nope. Hemisphere. So why don't we point fingers where they belong to be pointed? Why don't we bring up who really needs help, and that would be the Eastern Hemisphere. Yeah, why don't we get Greta over there? Greta, yeah, Greta. Greta, take yeah. a take a she you take should she should take there. a she should do uh, you know a tour there. Uh, She'd be executed and she knows it. Now, one of the reasons I brought this up uh, is because they talk about uh, how people are treated so differently and blah 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 and all the rest of it. So, 1951, the urban population of uh, of the world. This is right. Yeah, this is world population. The urban population of the world. This is okay. In 1951, it was 775 million. Okay. Urban. Oh. That's urban only. So most of the people, about it looks to be about 1.4 billion people lived in the country in 1951. Huh. The urban population was 775 million people. Now, the population is 7.8 billion and 4.4 billion of them live in an urban area. <laughs> so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The urban population is going to 50, 56% of the world's population. Mm-hmm. Back in 1951, it was uh, 30% of the world's population. And this idea of living in a beehive in the middle of downtown is a yes. new thing. And then people wonder, you know. People always talk about, like, oh, housing is so expensive. It's like, well, yeah, you live in a high-rise downtown. No one did that 60 years ago. No, that's exactly right. Nobody lived downtown unless they lived in some of the, you know, the, the on the edge there, what would be considered downtown but wasn't downtown back when those buildings were built yeah, on the south exactly. side over there. And if, if you look at the worst the worst pollution, the worst concentrations of pollution, it's all, it's all those cities. It yeah. is, absolutely. It's all uh, Mexico urban. City is a prime example, although I don't know. If, it, where is Mexico City in the uh, size size ranking in the world? 
Mexico City was number one for a while. Oh, Mexico City's huge. Mexico yeah. City currently has... And they're in a lake, lake bed, and it just, the pollution just sits there. It's not a healthy place. 8.9 million. <coughs> Jesus. Jesus. That's uh, 16,000 people per square mile. <laughs> it's the God. densest city in the entire world. Really? Yep. The densest. Even more than India? Oh, that's just the most dense Mexican city. Oh, in yeah, the there world. you go. Oh, I see. Because I think some of those cities in India got a few people living in. I don't know. Well, yeah, let's see. Mumbai. In terms of densest per square mile, uh, India, India, Pakistan, Nigeria, China, South Korea, Taiwan, India. It's all in that yep. high pollution. <clears throat> Pakistan? Yeah. I don't yep. think anybody lived there. Karachi, Pakistan. Pakistan. I think that's probably the only place in Pakistan anyone does live. So. <laughs> that's probably true. The rest of the place is pretty desolate, yeah, they, I think. But they yeah. got uh, 16 million people. So, hey, in just that one city. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. What more could you ask for? But, uh, yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of research on this because I was talking to some people about this, that, and the other thing. And, and uh very little of what our climate uh, people are talking about in the United States, the panic that's going on, uh, 99% of it has nothing to do with the United States, nope. including gas consumption and oil consumption. Yep. has nothing to do with the world's climate po- problems. And, oh, all that oil is in the Middle East. And coal, yep. coal consumption, huge coal consumption yeah. in uh, India. Yep. And, and when they when they said, "Oh, you got to cut back on your pollution," and and, and uh, the, the economic minister in India said, uh, "You can't wish coal away." No, because that's cannot. all we got to bring population out of yeah, uh, for real. poverty. Right. Well, and that's the whole argument. Until the the economies of India and China and most of Africa catch up, this is not going to stop. They're going to nope. keep polluting until they get rich, basically. That's what they're, they're they're striving to make a lot of money. So I need to buy more five hour energy because that's an Indian company. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do my part. Or uh, Red Bull, which is a uh, Malaysian company. Yeah, Red Bull is Malaysian, Malaysian. I think. Malaysia. I think that's right. In any case, uh, we shall take a break here. We'll be right back. Got a special guest coming up right. This ought to be interesting. As a matter of fact, it's OK Boomers. It's Andy and Alex going after you and me, Ralph. Here Uh-oh. it comes. Good luck. Here it comes. Good luck. We'll be right back with Jill Philipovich. It's either Povich or Povic. Depends. Hard to say. We'll be back Literally. with the family. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, this is a tough time for businesses, not only in the Twin Cities, but all over right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what North American Banking Company is doing for your customers? Tommy at the bank, we're helping businesses with all of our tools at our disposal. Lenders are working as long as it takes with our customers to help them through these tough times. We've processed well over 300 loans for customers and funded over $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program. Through our payment deferment program, our current customers were able to skip one, two, or even four payments with no penalty. Finally, being a locally owned and operated bank, we're able to move quickly and take action for our customers when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker? God, I can't tell you how great it is working with Billski. Did you record that, Andy? Could you send that to me? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. So, is this going to be the last day of the bumper music? Are we going to change it today? 
or little by little. Yeah, I suppose we can, yeah. May as well. And stop getting pissy. Because I, I, one thing I do need to bring up, and as soon as Jill's ready, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll jump on with her. But you know who was uh, pulled off of Twitter? Mom. The Babylon Bee. Of course. Oh. Pulled him off of Twitter. Uh, it's not too political, is it? I mean, once again, I'm not even a Republican. I'm just sick to death of big tech running our lives from top to bottom. They're really out of control, and they all give tons of dough to the Democrats. So what I'm saying is the Democrats, you need to take care of this problem. Uh, They put Babylon B back up again because apparently they got so many complaints that they put it back up and said, oh, that was an accident. It's like, yeah. No, it wasn't. No, it was not an accident. What are you, an accident? They had a great line. Babylon B had a great line, and the great line was Kamala Harris busy vetting VP candidates. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. Nobody's talking about Joe Biden dying or anything like that. It's just, you know, he's, they're going to find out he needs to retire. You know, so it's nothing negative about that, but they, they yank the account over stuff like that. Seriously, so you can't laugh at all anymore. Is that the, no. is this Nazism to the nth degree because yep. it's digital? It's liberal fascism. It is. Is that it's, possible? It's Nazis. Yeah, it's, or, mean, communi- or communism. It's Marxism uh, right. or communism. It's, it's so many parallels to, it's just so to sad. the Soviet Union, where they just they can't say anything, can't do anything for nope. fear of something, uh, someone attacking you. So, suppose you live in South Minneapolis, and suppose you put up a Trump sign. You, won't, you, you put up Trump's sign. You run the risk of having vandalism on your house. Absolutely you do. So it's like the brown shirts. You have you happen to be you happen to be a right. Jewish Jewish uh, merchant. Oh, they're gonna come in and tear your business apart because you're a Jewish merchant. Yep. No, you're absolutely it's, right. It's, it's it's the fear of violence that is, is is thwarting free speech, and 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 the violence comes from people who have nothing to risk or nothing to lose. Right. No, that's exactly that's exactly it. If there's nothing for, for me to lose, then I'll do it. Otherwise, I'm not doing it because it's money, 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 money. Everything's about money now. Mm-hmm. It's just disgusting. No question about it. So um, they're back up again. So apparently uh, all the fans of the Babylon Bee got after Twitter and said, what are you doing? I mean, they don't write anything that's obscene. or It's just no. it, it, it tends to lean conservative. That's the only thing about it. It tends to – it's not obnoxious. You don't go, oh, my God, I can't believe or, they said that. Or no, I think it tends to leave – it tends to lean centrist. Well, you might be right about that, actually. It tends to lean centrist because it is funny. Yeah, and it's yes. and it's and it's teasing. You know, Jill's ready to go. Uh-huh. Jill, is it Filipovich or Filipovic? <laughs> uh, kind of an amalgamation, Filipovich. Filipovich. So it is a vich. Good. It is a vich. Filipovich. Uh, see, I, I think I went with Mori Povich. That's why I got to the Filip Filipovich instead of Filipovich. Close enough. Filipovich, I'm going. Jill, I'm going with Filipovich. So, Jill, how old are you? I'm 37. 37. So, are you a boomer at 37? Or, no, I mean, no. A, a millennial at 37? Yeah. I am. Yeah, I know Barely. we think of millennials as young, but the oldest millennials are turning 40 this year. Oh, my God, I can't. I'm looking at the sweet release of death, Jill. <laughs> well. Being a boomer, you know. <laughs> I, they're going to be 40 this year. I mean, it's, it's sort of unbelievable, uh, right? And the way we is. talk about millennials is though we're still kids, you know, and, and yes. sort of unruly teenagers yep. um, does not reflect the reality of our lives. 
Okay, Jill, so as a man who was born in 1951, and you go, okay, Boomer, you're talking to me, sister. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Uh, talking to our, you know, my parents as well, um, who are you know, some of the, the many, many excellent Boomers who I think will be receptive to this. Nice episode. try, Jill. <laughs> I like it. Uh, our son Andy is here. He's 33. Our daughter Alex is here, and she's 31. So, Jill, we got a 31, a 33, and a 37 uh, promoting the book, OK Boomer, Let's Talk, How My Generation Got Left Behind. Baby boomers are the most prosperous generation in American history. Yeah, you're welcome, Jill. That's all I get to say. Ralph is here, too. He's a, he's a boomer, so you're welcome. Uh, but their kids are screwed. In this eye-opening book, journalist Jill Filipovich breaks down the massive problems facing millennials, including climate, money, housing, and health care. Health care has always been a problem. Housing, I want to find out about. The money issue is going to be really interesting because nothing means more to the world than now. I don't care. Jill, it's so disgusting. People will do anything for money. Has it always been that way, do you think? It's a good question. Um, I, I would imagine that it wasn't that way before money existed. <laughs> oh, you're but, very funny. Yeah, Jill. <laughs> Personal attack. Yeah, I think even, of course, of course. I think human beings have... Uh, you know, always competed for resources and status. You know, yeah, I think what true. is yeah, what might be different is that you know millennials are facing a universe in which uh, wealth and power is increasingly concentrated in in ever fewer hands, and the, our generation seems to have far less you know access mm-hmm. to even the basics than our parents' generation. So why don't we start at the? Did the, the, you mind if I just if I just go section by section and ask you about it? Is that okay? Perfect. That's great. Okay, Jill, we'll start with health care uh, because health care is extremely expensive in America, much more expensive than in England or Canada or wherever. Um, and, of course, the fact of the matter is if it weren't for people who drink, do drugs, smoke, and overeat, we wouldn't have expensive health care. Our health care would cost us next to mm-hmm. nothing. So well, the, right? No. But, uh, no. What do you mean? No, it is too. No. Okay. The rest of the, I mean, the rest of the developed world also has people who drink and smoke and overeat. Uh-huh. And you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna defend the American way of eating, which I agree with you is is not particularly healthy. Uh-huh. But I think what you've seen in the United States is that uh, beginning in 1980, you saw the U.S. really begin to deviate from our Western European kind of economic peer countries when mm-hmm. it came to health care. We saw our health care costs skyrocket, and we saw our health outcomes really uh, plateau. Whereas Western Europe, frankly, had the, they had the opposite effect. They saw their health care costs uh, level off, and they saw their health outcomes increase and get better. Mm-hmm. And that was a political choice. That isn't just about, you know, 1980s, the year Americans all started smoking and eating McDonald's. No, no, you're right. Um, you're right. So, you know, we know that there are systems that work. And uh, when you look at, for example, you know, you bring up, um, you know, Americans uh, overeating, you know, eating processed foods. Mm-hmm. Again, part of, part of that is not just, oh, we make individual bad choices. It's also about what do people have access to and what do they have the time for? And especially when you look at families that you know, don't have much in the way of resources, um, many of those parents are also working, you know, two jobs, maybe three jobs, and there isn't the time or the ability to take the bus 
to the grocery store right. to buy, you know, and the money to buy the organic produce, and then the time to, you know, cook and clean up. So it is this kind of broad landscape of decisions that we've made around work and family and healthcare right. access. Right. And create this, you know, sort of complex web of challenges. Well, another problem we have, Jill, is that the United States citizens, the taxpayers in this country, pay for all the research and development for drugs in the world. Well, half. Oh, I thought it was almost all now. No, it's about half. Is that half now? Because it yeah. was almost all at one time. So I don't understand why we have to pay for the for the world across the board, Jill. Being a boomer, obviously I have tons of money. Don't No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so what I'm saying is basically because America picks up the tab for so many things, and tech, by the way, is making it much worse, much worse, because they're charging, they don't pay any taxes, a la Amazon, they don't pay any taxes, they don't help at all. So it's, it is political. It's very, very political. I do agree with you on that. Because we suck up to these big tech companies, digital companies, all these people, and it costs us a lot of money to do that, Jill. And I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know why we do it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think one thing that you do see among millennials is um, a real enthusiasm for taxing billionaires, taxing tech companies, yes. making sure Good. that the, com- you know, the companies that frankly exist and they're founders that exist because of America's education system, um, because of the, you know, the sort of fertile landscape that we offered those folks. They were able to create their businesses and grow their businesses. And I think most millennials would say that those folks absolutely should pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jill, do you have to leave in a minute? I hope you don't. Cause I'm, no, no, no. Do you, do you have to leave at any particular time? Is our... Art, can, if you can hear me, can, can we have Jill for another segment? Would that be possible? Well, nope. okay. Jill, is that okay with you? Yep, we, I'm, I'm, I'm free and available. Okay, good, because we got three more things to go with. Uh, we got housing, money, and climate. Now that Jill has pointed out, and Tommy agrees with her, uh, we need to start making the people pay for their own way and pay their taxes like everybody else. And I'm, we're talking big tech. We'll be right back in a couple of seconds. It's only it's going to be about a minute and a half, Jill. We'll be right back with Jill Filipovich right after this with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Andy's rocking out. That works for me. Ladies and gentlemen, the book is called OK Boomer, Let's Talk, How My Generation Got Left Behind. Jill Filipovich, F-I-L-I-P-O-V-I-C is how you spell Jill's name. The book is available everywhere, certainly on Amazon. Uh, and by the way, when you buy Jill's book and they ship it to you, I'll have to pay the 2 to $3 for the shipping because Bezos won't pay for it. But anyway, 
Just kidding, Jill. I mean, I'm a big fan of local bookstores, especially in, <laughs> uh, in the age of coronavirus when many small sure. businesses are suffering. So if you have a bookstore in your neighborhood that you love and you want to support, um, I would love it if you would give them a call and ask them to, to ship my books directly to you. I love it. Now, Jill... Uh, we may only we're gonna have to have you back sometime because we spent about ten minutes on healthcare. I want to spend a lot of time on housing, money, and climate as well. So if we can't finish, I'd like to rebook you for the for whatever we don't finish. How about that? I would love that. That's wonderful. Okay, housing, Jill. Where are we headed with housing? We're in big trouble with housing. Yeah. Uh, the the median home cost in the U.S. today is more than twice what it was in 1970, and that's of course adjusted God. for inflation. And you see a similar dynamic with rent. So it costs nearly twice as much to rent the average one-bedroom apartment in the U.S. today as it did when boomers were young adults. So it's much more expensive for millennials to buy their homes, which is why you see that millennials uh, are less likely to own their homes than any young adult since young adults during the Great Depression. Really? Um, one of the, it's, it's shocking. One of the more shocking stats I came across is that black millennials, are less likely to own their homes today than young black adults during the civil rights movement in the 1960s. We've actually seen black home ownership decline. So this is a, this is a huge challenge. And it's not just, you know, again, that millennials are, are spending all their money on avocado toast. It's that yes, we it is. are... Yes, don't lie, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wish... I don't know how expensive <laughs> that avocado toast is, but millennials are coming out of college you know, deeply in debt. And it's very hard to think about, you know, taking out a mortgage when you already owe five or six figures on a student loan. Mm -hmm. And then when you add that into the fact that, you know, housing, as I just said, is significantly more expensive and that jobs today are increasingly concentrated in cities. And so millennials often don't feel like we have the ability to live in cheaper areas because the jobs that, you know, we've got those degrees <laughs> to be able to fill are almost all concentrated in urban environments where housing is more expensive. Um, you know, we really are facing a set of circumstances that our boomer parents, just they just didn't face. You know, when my parents were in their you know, early 30s and, and bought the house that I grew up in. So, so, if I could just jump in for a second, as far as education goes, education is so much more expensive than it was before, yet the product is, in essence, exactly the same. So, so so millennials leave leave the uh, system with huge debt. Right. So why is education so much more expensive? Mm. Why are we paying? You know, if if, if healthcare is more expensive, why is why healthcare? There's re maybe reasons for that technologically, but as far as education goes, it's the same. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. So there are a couple of things that happen with the American education system. Um, boomers, when they were young adults, also went to college in record numbers. And one of the reasons they were able to go is because there was really robust uh, federal and state investment in public higher education, mm -hmm. which made education affordable. And what you've seen is a real pulling back on that. You've also seen now a concentration of government resources into loans rather than to grants. So right. there used to just be essentially much more free money for low-income Students. And why did you that also, happen, Jill? Uh, essentially because um, more conservative politicians have decided those resources are, are better used elsewhere. I don't um, think that's true, Jill. 
He's also oh. Sally May, the uh-huh. uh, you know, in private lending companies no. that used to be kind of under a government umbrella and were subject to pretty significant federal oversight. And it was actually under Bill Clinton that Sally May was was unfettered from that oversight and was allowed to exist, you know, essentially as a private entity, um, which is really a moment when you then started to see skyrocketing tuition costs. Because so, when you have a private student loan lender <laughs> who will give students, you know, any amount of money, right. um, colleges certainly raise tuitions in tandem with that. So, you know, you had... You had all of these things happening at once, and at the same time, you also see, uh, you know, the bottom dropping out of working class wages. So, while you used to be able to work, you know, a blue collar job and support a family, for folks my age, that's just increasingly not true. And a college degree is really kind of the new high school diploma, um, the new bottom that you need just to keep a toehold into the middle class. Yeah, it's uh, the whole thing just uh, – see, Jill, in my opinion, I should tell you, by the way, that I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I'm kind of stuck in the middle watching them both flail away at our problems and not do anything. Uh, I will tell you this, Jill. I'm, I am 68 years old, and I have heard from the time I was five years old, we're going to take care of the little guy. And I've been hearing that now for 63 years, and they haven't done anything to help the little guy. That's Republicans and Democrats. So I don't know, what are we going to do about that, Jill? And I'm, and I'm not trying to, you know, stir the pot here. I'm just saying I'd love to see him take care of the little guy. They always promise to, and they never do. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And, you know, I think right now we're in this uh, real emergency. I mean, I live in New York City, which Ooh. is a city of, of small businesses. And yeah. as much as yeah. I know, there's plenty of people kind of look at you at New York, but this is a city of small business owners. The overwhelming majority of workers in New York City worked for small businesses. And yet so many of these small places of these little guys, and this is happening all over the country, are not being supported or not being bailed out and are, are being left to really kind of flail and work through this on their own. And, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're just going to lose the life's work um, of you know, thousands and thousands of people in this country. So, you know, I agree with you. There is radical underinvestment in, you know, in the little guy, in the most vulnerable, you know, in folks who really are working hard and doing their best but aren't being supported. And I want you to know, by the way, Jill, I'm so impressed with you that I'm not even upset about the OK Boomer part anymore. <laughs> so there the you. second part of it does say let's talk, right? It is <laughs> yes, an it does. discussion. That's exactly right, Jill. Now you're a, you're a terrific guest. We only got a couple of minutes. I, there, there, we have so much more to talk about. So we've talked healthcare. We talked housing. What about money? So uh, money is 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 huge. Obviously, everybody needs money mm-hmm. to live, um, and millennials simply have less of it. You know, millennials are twenty two percent of the adult population, and yet we only have three percent of America's wealth. Um, that's when boomers were already trained, more like 21%. Mm-hmm. Um, millennial incomes have stagnated. You know, millennials graduated, the older ones of us anyway, graduated college into the Great Recession of 2008. We took an income hit that we're still reeling from and that economists predict will last for the rest of our lives. And now we've been hit again by COVID-19. Millennials have lost more jobs thanks to COVID-19 than members of any other generation. Sure. Nearly 5 million of us lost our jobs only between February and May of this year. So we've, you know, we've gotten hit kind of on both ends of our adult lives as we're entering the workforce and then as we're entering our prime working years and, you know, trying to settle down and 
get married and buy a house and have children. Um, so we have a, both a wealth deficit and we have an income deficit. And, you know, as I said, the oldest millennials are turning 40 this year. So, you know, we're yeah. not children where we're walking our way into middle age. And we don't have the kind of stable foundation that many of our boomer parents had. And that obviously has tremendous impact on whether or not we have children, where we decide to live and what our futures look like. Yeah, Jill, that makes that makes complete sense, to tell you the truth. Um, the money situation, is it's always been... It was kind of America for a while. You want to, you know, the streets were paved with gold is what you heard if you were, you grew up Italian in the early 1900s. You go to America because the streets are paved with gold. It was always about the money, Jill. Yeah, and, you know, I, I do think that is obviously a, a sort of silly and, and shallow way of looking at it. <laughs> yes, um, yes, you know, it that, that, that said, we need, people need a baseline, right? Um, mm-hmm. And in a country as prosperous as the United States, um, you know, I don't know that there's really any excuse for the fact that so many of us are, are struggling so hard. Couldn't agree more. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. As I said, my, my son's here. Andy is 33. My daughter's here. Alex is, is 31. And, you know, we work together, so they make a nice living and all the rest of it. But I, you still see how difficult it is for them to get get by day by day just looking at what the future holds so jill we we already are out of the second we have to book you again and this time we'll start with climate and we'll go the other way wonderful i would love to come back this is a real pleasure well you're terrific jill filipovich uh filipovich actually f-i-l-i-p-o-v-i-c the book is available everywhere it's called okay boomer let's talk how my generation got left behind jill we'll talk soon thank you thanks so much absolutely That's going to do it. We'll talk to you on Monday with the family.